we actually pivoted our entire company's direction based on what we saw our customers using the platform to do. They weren't using it in the way that it was built or they weren't Mm -hmm. using it in the way that we thought they were. And so that's what's kind of led us on this partnerships journey is when we started to see these brands working with other brands and creating these really cool tech integrations. And it has led our company to, to change the way that we think. You're listening to CX Confessions, brought to you by Koros. In each episode, we'll share the customer experience stories and insights you need, straight from the sharpest minds in CX, to better connect with your customers and create customers for life. Let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to a new episode of CX Confessions. I'm your host, Catherine Calvert, CMO for Koros, joined as always by my fantastic co-host, Mr. Spike Jones, GM of our Strat Services business. How you doing, Spike? Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm here, and it's good to be here. We uh, another amazing guest. I know there's a lot of chock full, beautiful little nuggets of awesome in there, so I'm excited to get right into it. I am really excited for our conversation and for you to meet our special guest. She's been hanging tough in the marketing industry for over 15 years. Christy Garcia is the CMO of impact.com. A CMO, as you would expect, she leads their marketing events, PR and communications efforts, as well as demand and, and branding. She was named by Business Insider as one of the most important MarTech executives of 2021. So she is clearly an all-star. If you don't know impact.com, it's really one of the leading platforms for partner and affiliate marketing management. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came to this job from Seltra and Rakuten before that. Uh, she's a member of Chief. She's also a member of the Forbes Communications Council. So for all of our listeners, as you listen and learn, you can learn more about Christy and her insights in those channels. It is a thrill to welcome Christy Garcia to the show today. Hi, Catherine. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. We are so excited to jump in um, and learn more about the work you're doing with Impact, but also you've just had a fantastic career and um, this is our chance to learn more about how you think about CX and customer experience. Speaking of a fantastic career, congrats on the CMO position. I got, now I'm talking to two CMOs. That's super cool. You CMOs, you wear a lot of different hats and you're pulled in a lot of different directions. So would love to hear in your new role and, and, and please tell us a little bit about impact.com too, but in your new role, like what are you, what are you looking forward to tackling first or what are you already working on? I'm going to be spending more time with the customers. Prior to the CMO promotion, which I'm very proud of and excited about, um, I was the VP of marketing for a few years at impact.com. And when you're really in the weeds, you don't really have a lot of time to be more strategic and have those conversations with customers. So while managing demand gen and PR and events and brand marketing and managing a big team, a big global team, it's just difficult to fit everything in. So I really want to work on building out our voice of customer and leveraging like insights from our existing clients on the brand side, as well as on the, the publisher side to continue optimizing our message and campaigns, you know, providing a good experience for the customers. You know, right now, my big focus is on this in-person event that we call IPX that's taking place in June um, it's where we bring all of our customers together. So it's a really great opportunity for me to kind of dive in and have those conversations. 
is this a event you usually have and you had to suspend it or has it been going on? Tell us about the, the, how you're thinking about live events these days. So the year, the 2020 year is when the outbreak, you know, started having the pandemic started really picking up and being an issue in March. And so we had to quickly make that pivot to virtual. Um, It was going to be like a 700 person event. And so we ended up doing uh, a lot of video and, and webinars and recordings um, but we ended up having like 3000 people instead of 300. And I've been to a couple of events recently and I can tell you that the energy is crazy. Like people are just really excited about being together in the same room again. I think that is so true. I also think that, and I saw the same thing for our virtual events. It opened my eyes to the pros of virtual and the reach that you can get. But I do think that it has the live events and that pent up demand for just connecting is so critical to, as you were saying, the customer journey. And how do you go from 300 to 700? How do you think participation is going to look this year? Well, we've been driving a lot of category creation. That category is partnerships. So when people think about partnerships, they might think about affiliate marketing, or they might think about channel partners. It's all of those things. But we talk about partnerships, including influencers, commerce content, which is working with like the big media publishers, brand to brand apps. Anyone can be a partner to help drive referrals and sales for their partners. And so we've been able to establish ourselves as the leader in the space. And a lot of companies that had not previously considered something like affiliate marketing for whatever reason are really leaning into this concept of using a platform to meet new partners, engage with new partners, drive leads, sales, referrals, and then contracting and paying and doing all the measurement through one place. And that's what impact.com does. We really help businesses grow revenue through partnerships. And some of our most mature clients are seeing 30% of their total revenue through this channel. We also have something in common where we're marketers who sell to marketers. That's a pretty cool gig. You know, we were just talking about the constant changes and the ways that we're rethinking the tactics and strategies and activities that worked two years ago, let alone even even six months ago are changing. So how do you think about your audience and especially when you're doing category creation, how do you think about your team and how to get them focusing on the right things while staying agile? We believe our job as a business is to be helpful and to educate and to drive awareness about the category. We don't have to insert ourselves every time we're talking about why companies are leaning into partnerships. And so we stop talking about ourselves so heavily. I would say we're doing a lot more thought leadership when it comes to like the content creation. We're using third parties, which is exactly what the beauty of partnerships is, right, is, is having somebody else validate you and, and say, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, thumbs up. This this is a legit business or this is a good product you should buy. And so we're eating our own dog food, drinking our own champagne. We do have a very active demand gen team. And the way that we really look about performance there is we compare ourselves to ourselves. And so we benchmark performance against, you know, prior quarter, month, year, however we're setting it up. So for example, paid search, we would expect a minimum of $1 in, $2 out, right? We're looking at email open rates and click rates and paid social and direct buys, and it's all measured against past campaigns. And so we know how many leads we need from each channel and how to get there. Um, I would say um, to your point about things changing all the time, it's important to not be overconfident in your media mix or to start to get complacent um, because new channels and new marketing strategies are created all the time. 
Uh, and tech just makes oh, it yeah. happen at lightning speed. So we got to stay on our toes and spend a lot of time researching new paths to conversions because the mix we have today is going to look a lot different than what we're doing six months from now. Yeah. And you, and you got to get it smart on it quick. I mean, I, that's same for my team. And so when these new, you know, these new platforms pop up, we got to be, cause we know our customers are come, going to come to us and go, do you have a point of view on how we should use TikTok? And we're like, oh, we're figuring it out ourselves, but uh, here's what we think. And we do figure it out for you. And you already touched on a little bit. I mean, you, this partnership space, it evolves all the time. It's constantly evolving, but do you kind of see where it's going over the next couple of years? Do you have any opinions or thoughts around that? Yeah, I would say that I've been in the industry since 2010, and there has never been a better time to be in this space. Um, journalists are covering affiliate marketing, influencer marketing. It's everywhere. Brand to brand partnerships are being really promoted and actively kind of like viewed and read. And it's a lift across the entire industry, not just impact.com, although we're the leaders, arguably. <laughs> partnerships really represent this revenue driving channel for all businesses. Um, and because it's CPA based, right? cost per, you know, performance really is, is sort of how to think about that. And it's usually based on a referral, a sale, something happening. As a prediction, the industry is really moving to outcomes. And I don't mean just like affiliate marketing and partnerships. I mean, the ad industry, consumers aren't interested in ads, right? They don't trust them. They're not clicking on them, especially marketers. Oh my God. But my prediction is, is that these vanity metrics that some marketers have been leaning on a lot to say, okay, well, I know this was successful because of these impressions or because of this anecdotal feedback. It's like, well, okay, but you know, wouldn't you rather have something concrete that you're looking at, like an actual sale? And of course the answer is yes. And partnerships can make that happen. So I, I see that the appetite for that type of CPA based approach is, you know, is definitely driving us business. So you said you see vanity metrics going away. Even in influencer marketing, it, a lot of people are like, what, what am I getting from this? Being able to be measurable, that's budget that's not going to get cut. And that's how I yep. always tell my team to think about it. So in the in the marketing word salad or acronym salad, you're talking about like once upon a time, we would talk about CPI, right? Cost per impressions. And when you say CPA, you're talking about cost per acquisition of the sale of the opportunity, essentially, is, is how you're helping folks to think about it. That is pretty powerful. The 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 firmer the lines to revenue, the the more protected the budget, right? And the more more way you can optimize if things aren't working. You know, I think one of the challenges that I think about when we think as a business about partnerships and the strategic opportunities there is the protecting your own brand and and making sure that the partner can deliver on the promise that you've worked so hard to create of your about your own experience and how do you coach people to think about partnerships and building the right kind of uh, trust and connective tissue between companies I, I really believe that the partner should be viewed as an extension of the the company that they're working with right so um, customers can't always tell the difference. If you're a representation of a brand or of a particular product that you're recommending, that's, you know, you're sort of taken as like the, mm -hmm. the person connected there, whether or not you actually are. So what can happen, and I've seen it, is that a brand decides that they need to be more prescriptive and control um, what's being posted and written. Let's use an influencer example. Like we want you to say X. And that's when performance goes south because the whole purpose of the partnership is to leverage each other's strengths and you have to allow creativity and flexibility in the promotion. And so if the brand is telling the influencer what to post, the influencer who knows their audience and knows what they're going to respond to needs to be able to push back and say that that's not going to work. 
if it's inauthentic, if there's something that comes out and you see that all the time, right? That's always what people poke at with influencer mm-hmm. marketing is how, oh yeah, I'm sure this particular celebrity is actually using a diet pill, right? But um, people can, consumers can smell that a mile away. They are so smart, right? And so it's, it's really about being authentic and believing in the product or company that you're referring and then sort of allowing your partners to do what they do best. If you knew what to do, you wouldn't need them, right? Mm-hmm. And so you need to lean on them as people who are smarter than you in some ways, just like you want to hire people, people on your team that are smarter than you. You want partners that have reach that you don't have or have some expertise that you, you can leverage for yourself. But the fact is, you know, you need to be trusting those people and they want to get paid, right? So they're going to do everything they can to ensure that the campaign or the partnership is successful also. So brands are still trying to control the narrative? What? That's crazy. <laughs> and for and a lifetime ago, we created this ambassador program. We told the people, the leaders of that, they were, they were we paid them a very little, but they were very, very passionate about this category. We said, you can talk about anything you want. And then the brand came on top of us and said, but you can't talk about our competitors. And this is a category where like, you just don't have one thing that was made by one company. You have drawers and drawers of things made by different companies. And we're like, that's gonna come across to your point as inauthentic and people are not gonna tune in if we're just pushing these products. So it's it's interesting to hear you say, we're still dealing with some of those same things. Yeah, it does happen. Um, understandably, you don't want people sure. representing your brand that you don't feel a connection with. Makes me think of uh, Spike and I were talking about favorite podcasts in addition to CX Confessions. And uh, (laughs) we were talking about the Conan O'Brien podcast. And he's got this very charming part where he does ads, but he does them himself. And their ads are not his thing, but it's clear that he's knows these companies and is connected to the story, literally connected to the story. So that's fascinating. There are so many tropes and practices and ideas around partner marketing and being a CMO, we always ask our guests for their thoughts on this question. What is a commonly held belief or industry practice that you passionately disagree with? I would say historically, and and this is still a challenge, um, some people will look at affiliate marketing and say they don't believe it's incremental. And so what I mean by that is, let's say a coupon site, you're working with a coupon site and they send traffic to a retailer site and the consumer uses the coupon code and and buys the product. Um, The retailer may say, oh, we would have gotten that sale anyway. They came in at the last minute to kind of steal the sale, but that's a feeling that's usually not backed up by data. So what is backed up by data is that consumers have said that they won't purchase certain things that aren't on sale or have free shipping or, or something like that. So these coupon sites have a lot of power and they shouldn't be frowned upon just because it's the last touch of the customer journey and can come in at the bottom of the funnel. I've actually seen some retailers that have decided like, we're just gonna not have business with this coupon publisher anymore. And and guess what happens? (laughs) Their revenue drops Mm -hmm. significantly. Um, So it's, it's very important to understand that affiliate marketing and partnerships, they touch different partners can touch different parts of the funnel. And and if you're very concerned that it's not incremental, try shutting it off and see what happens. Um, but I don't recommend that. You talked a little bit already about the data that you encourage your customers to think about, which is fantastic. The data you think is kind of uh, growing in importance and the ones and data is kind of waning in importance. But for you and your customers, what's the data that you're looking for that's most important to you? Yeah, that's for me, that's, that's an easy answer. It's their pain points and how the product is solving them. 
Um, as marketers, we do everything we can. We research, we talk to people, maybe we create personas based on our experience, or I'm a marketer, so I know what other marketers want. But you're just guessing, and it can yeah. be a really expensive mistake if, if you're not really thoroughly having those conversations. But I've made that mistake before, which is how I know. <laughs> we, actually, <laughs> we actually pivoted our entire company's direction based on what we saw our customers using the platform to do. They weren't using it in the way that it was built or they weren't mm. using it in the way that we thought they were. And so that's what's kind of led us on this partnerships journey is when we started to see these brands working with other brands and creating these really cool tech integrations. And it has led our company to, to change the way that we think uh, and talk about things. So I would say that anecdotal feedback, you know, from sales or customer success isn't enough. Like you, you need to talk to the customer and then you also need to watch how they're using your product. But those two pieces are gold for marketing. Mm. I think that's really powerful. And I think there's a, it's a underappreciated opportunity, right? That, that people, you have this chance to watch how customers, especially in a SaaS business, uh, to watch how they engage with your solution. And, and that's often some of the best data. So fascinating. Okay. So we've talked about data. We've talked about things you disagree with. It is called CX Confession. So it is now confession time. And all of our guests, we like uh, we ask them to share a moment from their career, whether it's at impact.com or other spots. Tell us about a hard lesson you learned that's made you a better executive. I've made a lot of mistakes and I've learned a lot. Um, but I would say the hardest lesson is probably that you have to be willing to constantly change in order to be successful. It's something that we we sort of already covered, but um, be comfortable being uncomfortable uh, and have a mindset that's like a learning mindset. The day that you believe that you have it all figured out and you know what the customer wants and you stop experimenting is the day you, you lose your edge as a marketer. And there's been a number of other mistakes that I could say have been hard lessons to learn, but I think the biggest one is just trusting that what you have and what you're doing is going to work always. And it's not. Thank you for sharing that. I think that is, uh, it's actually, I think, so true and also really hard. The more senior you are, the more people look to you for answers and you can feel compelled to have all the answers. And as you said, the job would be really boring if there wasn't all kinds of new things to learn and, and new ways to look at problems. But it can be very uncomfortable and maybe not for you, but for your team sometimes. And I've, I've definitely said this before, but I want them to fail. Like I really do because to me, it's trying something new and, mm -hmm. and creating a safe space for that where yeah. you have a soft landing. Right. So we don't ever go big on a gut feeling. Like we're not going to spend a million dollars on a campaign that we haven't tested, you know, smaller amounts of money before, but, but even then sometimes you, you miss the mark. Um, something didn't go the way that it should. And that's okay. Like we're rewarding. We're celebrating the fact that we tried something we're not experts in. You have to be, you know, okay with failing, um, as long as you're trying. That's great. Great advice and, and, and a great environment to create for sure. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation as we knew it would be. Thank you for sharing so much perspective and you've given us a lot to think about in the ecosystem. I think partners, everybody recognizes there's opportunity, but it can feel, unsettling to be so so dependent on or to have to chance your reputation, your sales process with others. And I think you've given us some fresh ideas on how to look at that funnel and the impact that partners can have. 
Now, before we sign off, Christy, we always like to spend a little time getting to know our guests. We have five quick fire confession questions we always ask because one of the heart and souls of tenants, one of the key tenants of CX Confessions is that the customer journey is personal. And so we want to get, we always like to get a little personal before we sign off. So you ready to play five questions? Yes, I am. All right. Christy, what was the first concert you ever attended? Um, I'm going to date myself, but it was New Kids on the Block. Oh, <laughs> I bet that was so fun. What was the venue? It was somewhere in Florida. All right. How about your first job? I was a lifeguard at a water park oh. um, when I turned oh. 16. Yeah. Okay. So that was pretty fun. That would be fascinating. That feels like a, um, a movie from the 80s or 90s. Speaking of jobs, if you couldn't do the job you're doing today, what profession would you attempt? Psychology. Um, it's, it's, uh, it was what I studied in, in college and what I thought I was going to go into, but um, I'm fascinated by the new research and understanding what drives human behavior. I would call it a hobby, but it's, it's a lot more than that. It's like an obsession for me. Understanding behavior is essential for any job. But when we're talking about the customer and understanding the customer, it's really important to understand what drives certain behaviors and, you know, how you can be more effective at driving the behavior that you want. My favorite speakers at marketing conferences is when they bring in psychologists and like people who study the brain and how different parts of it light up when they get, it's like, it's so fascinating. And then, and then you introduce social on top of it. And it's like, okay, well, people are different when they're on social than they are in real life. So as a marketer, who am I marketing to? Am I marketing to both of them? Am I marketing? So it's like, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you there. Fascinating, fascinating. But that, that'd be a good career. Um, how about your current favorite app on your phone? This is going to make me sound like such a nerd. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Like I scroll through LinkedIn. I would say other than that, like my news app. I am on LinkedIn quite a bit too. I think it is underappreciated as a place to get meaningful industry business news. There's just, there's really great content on there that feels organically curated, not just sort of surfaced by, even though I advertise there, uh, not just surfaced by people like me. All right. Final question, Christy Garcia, tell me your biggest indulgence. Well, I'll tell you that I'm house shopping right now. Um, and I, have found so much joy in going and looking at other people's houses. I can't really explain it. I, I just really enjoy going to look at houses and how they decorate um, and get like a little glimpse of their life. Oh, it's been so fun to get to know you, Christy. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for sharing your perspective and, and making time for us today. Thanks, Catherine and Spike. I really appreciate it. And I, I enjoyed it. It's nice talking with you. Oh, Spike, wasn't that great? Mm-hmm. So interesting. That was She's a good great. one. She's great. There was a lot there. I saw you light up when we talked about vanity metrics. I know that's a hot button for you. Yeah, it's a, I mean, as a lifelong marketer in the agency side, I mean, that's all, that's all we talk about. And it's, <laughs> it's like, I had one customer and they're like, we want this many followers or this many likes. That's what it was. And we're like, why? And they said, because our competition has more. And like, that's not a reason, man. Like, cool, right. we can get you that. But again, vanity metric, metrics, like how, you know, 
How many people have seen this tweet? Mm -hmm. Cool. Who cares? How many people actually bought something because of it? So I love that how she's thinking. And, and I know she said it's never going to go away, but uh, I loved how she's thinking about these are the ones that are actually more important. These are the metrics that are rising to the top. And while probably down on the spreadsheet somewhere, the vanity metrics will still be there. Uh, right. But de-emphasizing uh, makes me happy. Yeah. And it's hard. It's really hard work when you don't have the right tools or systems in place to measure all the way mm -hmm. through the pull through to the funnel. But I will say, I think she, what she was getting at, and I think the tools have advanced so far now that it shouldn't be that hard. It's worth the investment because right. all the vanity metrics in the world, when your budget's under pressure, don't hold up. It's when you can point to to revenue and when you can then compare it, right? As she was saying, to the cost of acquisition for one of those ads versus, uh, you know, an expensive salesperson. I really also like how she honed in and talked about the, the perfect partner because it's so important to have that extension. I mean, you know, in your experience and what you've seen out there, you know, what are your thoughts around around that about about having that authentic voice? I really thought that was the heart of the tension. And mm -hmm. I think it's very hard as a marketer to relinquish the control. But her point about remembering, I mean, it's really a point about humility, right? If I didn't need the partners in the first place, then it, I wouldn't have that tension. And so I think it is key to spend the time up front to make sure that you're choosing your partners wisely. But if you need that help, and, and I think the data says, this is a really effective and efficient way to extend your reach as a marketer, then you've got to trust that they are the right partners, which means you're you're trusting their choices and their voice and their ability to be authentic in whatever they're bringing to the table to support your business. Yeah, and it sounds like impact.com does a lot. She kind of lit up whenever she's like, oh, we so much research goes into, you know, the perfect yeah. match between these, which I think that could be a really fun job. Uh, but I, I appreciate, <laughs> no. I appreciate them doing like that. a lot like a match.com Yeah, a little bit, a little mm -hmm. bit. That's super mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Your customers expect to be understood. Their likes and dislikes, their history with your brand, and their communication preferences. But so many companies struggle to connect the dots of interaction across their own teams and channels, and it's creating customer experience challenges and disasters. That's where Koros can help. Koros is the award-winning customer engagement platform built to turn those siloed interactions with your customer into enterprise value. Koros works with more than 2,000 of the world's leading brands and powers more than 500 million digital interactions every day. Koros is the award-winning platform for digital-first customer engagement. Ready to create human connection across the digital customer experience to create customers for life? Learn more at koros.com. Thanks for listening to CX Confessions, brought to you by Koros. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player and give us a rating. See you next time.